اگر نمیکشه قطعی لخالت دیگی ما میتیم شود اگر نخالت دیگی ما میتیم شو خنده فرقی داشته میشه با قطعه ما. اویف خالق بنو آقای داشت دیگی سر دورم نخنم به کوخ خم. بنو نخمن فجی نه نخ نخ ما نخمن اوم از خودم تگن لانو بر کلی اسرائیل من. سپرداخت شم تربگ نسر تو آخفه. تو آخ 25، which is also دشون قبنو. Gonna share another story in the Gemara between the sages of Athens and. Um, the interaction between the sages of Athens, Sabad Atuna, and Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania. And it's going to be split up into two days, but it's going to be a very special Torah, Torah that's very applicable for all those who want to break all the bad thoughts, the ta'avod, the bidbulim that confuse us in trying to get close to Hashem. This is a Torah, and Rabbeinu is going to explain to us how to defeat those things. But nonetheless, we're going to start the Torah, that Hashem will start right now. Torah chafei lishon Rabbeinu zikhronon v'acha. Amrole. So they asked him, the sage of Athens asked Rabbi Yoshua, Show us something that is not worth the damage it causes. So look, Rashi says, Show us a vessel that isn't worth the damage that it causes. Oh my bad, sorry. So Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanana, he brought a mat. Look, Rashi says, a rug. A rug. They laid it out. They laid out this mat that Rabbi Shua brought. But it didn't fit in the doorway. It was wider and longer than the entrance of this doorway. So it couldn't fit. So he said to them, Bring a sledgehammer and knock it down. Break the door frame until the mat can basically enter. Make a, an entrance wide enough for the mat, long enough for the mat. And Rabbi Yeshua said, This is something that isn't worth the damage it causes. This mat. Okay, now Rabbi is going to bring down something else, another Mishnah in Gemara Sota. Mishnah in Sota. Mishechara, Bet Amikdash, Batal Hashemir, Menofet Sufim, Vamana. When the Beit Hamikdash was destroyed, immediately the Shamir worm, the honey of Tzufim, the Amana and men of Emuna, um, all ceased to exist. The second the Beit Hamikdash was destroyed, all these three things—the Shamir worm, the honey of Tzufim, and the men of and Amana, whatever that means—we're gonna mean we're gonna see that it means the men of Emuna ceased to exist. Okay, this is the introductory stuff before the lesson. Rabbeinu says that a person must leave behind or must bring himself out of what we call medame. Now this is going to be very important because towards the end Rabbeinu is going to explain something huge for all the populace of the Jewish people. Something that he's going to explain is a, is a phenomenon that um, we're going to call the Yetzirah something new. And wait till the end of the lesson, God willing, tomorrow we're going to see what Rabbeinu said about that. But basically, a person must leave and leave out of the medame. He must exit from the medame, the imagination, or what we call fantasy, imagination, and to ascend to a place called sechel, intellect. A place where there's using your logic and um, that rather than just medame. But when a person is drawn towards the medame, the imagination, a place where sechel is not there, this is what we call shirirut lev. Shchirut lev, the illusions of the heart. 
שהוא הולך אחר המדמה שבלב, basically he's going after the מדמה, the imaginations, and the fantasies, the illusions of, one, of the heart. או שיוצא משכיחות הלב, but when a person leaves the illusions of the heart, the visions of the heart, הוא משבר ליבו האבן, and he breaks his heart of stone. זה מבחינת שמיר, this is what we call the שמיר. The שמיר worm that we just talked about in Gemara Sota. This is what we call the שמיר. When a person breaks his heart of stone, which is leaving the Koach HaMedame, which is the illusion of the heart, the Medame of the heart. That through the Shamir worm, one subdues the stone. Why? Because we know the, sham, the Shamir worm was used to slice the stones of the Betamigdash because no pieces of metal, which were basically signs of weapons, because metal was what was used to, to go out to war, that no metal thing could be used to cut things in the Betamigdash, like the stones that were needed to cut in the Betamigdash. They use the Shamir worm. So the Shamir subdues the stone. But what stone are we talking about? Liboa Evan, the heart of stone. What's the heart of stone? A person who goes after his fantasies. Fantasies of his heart. Because the Shamir, when a person breaks his Ta'avot, he doesn't go after the desires of his illusions. The illusory desires. He's now going after his intellect. Meaning a person who's breaking his Ta'avot, means he's using his intellect, not his medameh. And as long as a person doesn't go from potential to actual, meaning using his sechel into bringing into action, meaning he hasn't used his intellect yet, as it's then for him, this person, his sechel, his intellect is still bechoach, it's still in the potential phase. It's not real yet, it's not an actuality. Even though he broke his medame already, his illusions already. The characteristic of his intellect has surfaced. Meaning it's gone into surface. Because when one falls, meaning the medame falls, meaning when zekam, whenever the sechel rises, the, the illusion falls. Meaning when you break your tavot, then that which is holy rises. But still, you haven't brought the intellect into full revelation yet. It's still in what we call potential stage. It's not before, it's not actual there. It's not in reality yet. It's still in the surface, but it hasn't, um, um, it hasn't fully, fully emerged. Just the characteristics of the intellect have emerged. But afterwards, when a person... He analyzes with his sechel and he uses it as a sechel before. Then the sechel comes into actuality. This is what we call the nofet sufim, the second aspect of what we described in the Mishnah Sutta, of the second of the things that stopped existing after the destruction of the temple. What's nofet sufim? The honey of sufim. What does that mean? As it says in Shir Hashirim, nofet is a honeycomb. Nofet, like a honeycomb, titof nasifotayach. Your lips drip. Um, your, your lips drip like a honeycomb, basically. That's what it says in Shiashorim. So what does this mean? That basically you took the sweetness of your intellect, which is as sweet as honeycomb, and you brought it into actuality. Meaning it's coming from, from potential to actual now. So the shamir is whenever you subdue the, the ta'avot, you subdue the medame, the illusions of the heart, and the sechel is begin the, the characteristics of the intellect begin to surface, but the nofet sufim represent whenever the intellect in itself begins to emerge, 
And the sechel goes from koach, from potential to actual, meaning you're using your mind. You're using your intellect. And this is what it means, your lips. This is the aspect of bringing from potential to actual. Because what's speech? Speech is this idea. You first begins in thought, and then whenever a person speaks, the speech is the actuality of that thought, which is the potential. So the same is true of the lips. The lips is what allows a person to speak. So it's basically here, nofet is the honeycomb. What's the honeycomb? It's this idea of the sweetness of the, of the mind. When a person begins to use it, it, begun, it begins to emerge, just like speech does. And afterwards, when a person attains with his mind all that he's able to, with a human intellect, what a, a human is able to, to comprehend, then the sechel returns to what we call sechel anikne. This is the third level, sechel anikne, the acquired sechel. When a person acquires his intellect, as the, 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 almost the philosophers have written, it's written down the, in the Hakdama, Hakdama to the Chambam. Um, it's written in his works. There's three types of intellect. There's the, there's the intellect in its potential phase, the intellect in its real phase, in its actual phase, and, it's, and the acquired intellect. And the essential intellect that keeps, um, that keeps a person um, meaning um, upright, it keeps a person sustained after his death, is what, do we, what, do, what, what is the intellect that keeps a person up after his death? Meaning that he's still able to, to, um, to be everlasting in a sense? Is what? What we call sechel This is what remains for him after his death. Meaning what remains of you after a person passes away? Um, what sustains a person, what gives a person almost in a sense life after a person passes away? Is that what we call sechel that's the only thing that remains of a person. This is what we call amana, the third level. That the men of amana stopped to exist after the destruction of the temple. Because what's amana? Because what does it mean amana? Amana is an expression of kiyum dava, lasting existence or lasting, when something lasts. Meaning what lasts of a person after his death is only that which remains of him is the sechel anikneh. The acquired intellect. Because the sechel anikneh is what lasts of a person this is the only thing that remains of a person after his passing. And what sechel anikne? Better known as what Rabbeinu says, when a person knows many things with one knowledge. Many things with one knowing. Because before, um, before a person knows with one knowing, a person must know many, he has to have many introductions before he begins to know something. For example, if you want to learn uh, any sort of subject, you first need an introduction, just like Rabbin is teaching us now. Before we're coming to the understanding of what Rabbin wants to teach us in this lesson, all the steps, everything, we need Hakdamot. So these are Hakdamot. But when you understand the subject in its entirety, that's what knowing. After all the Hakdamot, and you know the idea, and you know what it's talking about. For example, calculus. You need to know all the rules, and then all the equations, everything, this, that. And then after you know the equations, this and that, you know the aspect in one knowing. The more you review and the more you study it. So Rabbeinu is explaining, before one knows something with 
with one knowledge, you need many introductory lessons to understand something. And then afterwards, when you attain that thing which you're trying to study, you throw away the introductory lessons because you don't need them anymore. And now you know the matter with one single knowledge. And now Rabbi is going to prove this idea what it says in the Gemara and the Mishnah. Why all these things cease to exist, the Shamir worm, the honeycomb of Tufim, and the Amana, cease to exist when the destruction of the temple happened. What, what did the destruction of the temple have to do with this? Rabbeinu is going to explain. Because Rabbeinu explains, the Ikar Mayan, the essential fountain of Chokhmah, emerges from where? Mina Mikdash Yatsa. It emerges from the Beta Mikdash. The fountain of wisdom emerges from the temple. Because in the temple, we were bringing the sacrifices. Because what are the sacrifices? Sacrifices represent the the animal, animalistic aspects of us. And the strength of the imagination. The animalistic aspects, meaning there's no da'at there. What separates a person from an animal is the aspect of da'at, sechel. But a behemah doesn't have sechel. A behemah, animal is all koach adimyon. It's all imagination. It's all illusion. Hema korbanot. And these are the korbanot. My bad. Sorry, I skipped the line. Koach adimyon. So the korbanot represents the bahamut, the animalistic aspects of us. The... um, the imagination, the sacrifices of Hashem, are a broken spirit. What's the essential sacrifice of God? A broken heart, a broken spirit. Because what's Rabbeinu explaining? That what's the essential korban? What's the essence of a korban? What are the essential sacrifices of God? This is when a person breaks his dimyon, his ruach. What is the ruach? It's the aspect of the imagination. When a person breaks the imagination, this is what we mean to be a korban. What's a korban? It's breaking the imagination. This is why the chachamim say, This is why the chachamim say in the Mishnah Sota, when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, the Shamir, etc., etc., all were nullified. They were ceased to exist. When the Beit HaMikdash is built, then the verse will be fulfilled as it says in Yoel. The fountain will emerge from the Beit HaMikdash. What is the fountain? The fountain of Chokhmah. Meaning what? When a person, come, when a Beit HaMikdash will be rebuilt, this is whenever the Sechel is being rebuilt, basically. Why? Because what's the Beit HaMikdash? The Beit HaMikdash is where the sacrifices were offered. And what's a sacrifice? As we prove in Tehidim, A sacrifice means when you break the Koach HaMedameh. When you're breaking the Koach HaMedameh, it's as if you're basically offering a sacrifice to Hashem. This is what Rabban was explaining, the practicality of the sacrifices today. When a person's praying, what basically he's doing, and we're going to see in section 4 of this Torah, a person is breaking the Koach HaMedameh. And what's the Koach HaMedameh? Where all the tablets exist. We're going to start explaining the practicality of all, what all this means. Because this Torah is extremely practical. We continue. So it's all about the Sechel and acquiring the Sechel through these three sages. Sechel HaKoach, Sechel HaPual, and Sechel HaNikne, etc. etc. Veda, I know. Shebechol olam ve'olam yuchol madrega o madrega. That within every world and every single level, Yesham dimyonot elu. There are these things called dimyonot. There are these illusions that we just talked about. The shirirot alev, the illusions of the heart. All these tavot that a person is being tempted by, etc., etc., are these illusions, these fantasies. 
that tests a person. Because all the tavot don't exist where the sechel is. We know this because if you look at the Gemara, if you look at the Gemara, we say that, the, that um, and the Arizal brings this down a lot, that a person who's, sinner, who's a sinner is a, is a, a meshugam mamash. He's, he's literally an insane. Why? Because to sin, it says, um, whenever a person sins, it's that um, what makes him sin? It's the ruach shtut that makes him sin. It's brought in the Gemara. And um, um, a person does not commit a sin unless the ruach shtut, the spirit of foolishness, enters him. This is the idea of the shchirut alev de medame. And what's the person that prevents a person from sin? That. This is why a person is considered meshuga if he sins, because you cannot have that if you sin. If you have that, you never commit a sin in the first place. So what are we saying here? That sechel prevents a person from sinning. And we're going to see this idea further brought in the lesson. Rabbeinu is going to explain this later. to bring this down here to, sh- to show us the practicality of it. So Rabbeinu explains that in every single world, and every single level, there are these dimyonot, these illusions. And what are these illusions? These are what we call the klipot, the, the husks, or the shells that precede the fruit. Because the fruit is the goodness, it's the, it's the blessing. But the shell is the outer hard layer, the tough layer that a person has to go through before he receives that shefa. Meaning before a person attains holiness, first a person has to go through tests. And all these dimyonot, these, these, um, these tavot, these, these lusts, etc., etc., these temptations. And Rabbanu is explaining how it works. They surround holiness. It says, The reshaim walk around about. They go round and round. They walk around. Meaning what the reshaim surround the fruit. It's the klipot. These are what we call the dimyonot. The dimyonot surround the seche. The dimyonot surround the holiness that you want to attain. And they surround holiness. This is why a person can never do something holy um, with ease. Meaning you can never do a mitvah before, if you want to accomplish a mitvah, something especially very holy, the more pushback you're going to have, the more doubt, the more safek, the more illusions you're going to have along the way because this is the way it works, as we're explaining here. Now Rabbeinu is explaining something huge, something that all of us need to know. For anyone who's desiring the emet, someone who wants to move from level to level. Because Rabbeinu says, the essence of a Jew is la'alot midarga ladarga. Rabbeinu says this, that a Jew means to go from level to level. That's what a Jew means. Meaning you're never sufficient at the level that you're on. You always have to move closer and closer to Hashem. That's the Jew. That's the neshama of a person. So Rabbeinu is explaining, when a person wants to move, when a person moves from level to level, not wants to, but he's doing this. And each and every level that you're going to, and that stage, you have to go through these dimyonot, these illusions, these fantasies, in order to reach the holy state that you want to reach. Immediately when you ascend to that level, then all the, the evil forces that stand at that level, that are at that level, let's say you're on level 25, then the evil forces of level 25 have to surround you and test you. And they surround this person and you must break them and subdue them. And you must purify that place which you're standing from the evil forces. I'm not explaining how it works. This is very, very practical. Know that there are no two people that are equal to one another. It doesn't exist. There's no people, two people on the same level. Because each and every soul is one above the other. 
and one soul acts as a garment to another. And the inner aspect of the lower soul becomes a garment and an outer aspect for the or becomes the outer aspect of the upper one. Meaning the pnimut of the lower level becomes the chitzon of the outer level, of the upper level. Nimza, so we're going to see what this means in practicality. When a person wants to ascend from one level to the next, to a higher level, then the person on the level above this one, meaning the person who wants to ascend to level, let's say a person on level 25 wants to ascend to level 26, then the person who's already at level 26 right now, then that person on level 26 um, ascends to a level above his level. All because the person on level 25 wanted to reach his level. Because Rabbeinu explains the principle, something huge. A phenomenon that's huge. No two people can ever be on the same level. So this is the beauty of the Torah. When a person wants to ascend to the next level, then what you do in essence is the person, your friend, the, the Chaver who's on level 26, let's say you're on level 25 and you attain level 26, then the person on level 26 has to ascend to level 27. And then so on and so forth, the level 27 has to go to 28. Everyone ascends when a person grows. Everyone benefits from this. Every single Jew benefits from this. And now we're going to explain what Rabbeinu means with this idea of Pnimiut and Chitzoniut, inner aspect and outer aspect. Meaning what? The only thing that moves of a person is the Pnimiut, the inner, the inner intelligence, the inner aspect of this person. Not the outer, because we know there's, in, there's inner intellects, there's outer intellects. We talked about it in, in Lesson 21, etc. There's uh, Pnimiut and there's uh, there's there's Makifim, there's pnimi, there's you know what I mean, all these things, there's surrounding intellects, inner intellects. But when a person moves up, the only thing that moves up is the pnimiut, the external level remains. And the person on the level above him, the, the only thing that moves up from this person also is the pnimiut. Meaning the only thing that's moving is the pnimiut, the inner aspect. And the, the pnimiut of this person on the lower level, on level 25, becomes the outer aspect to the, um, to the person above him. To the upper outer aspect, which will now become a pnimiut. Meaning what? <clears throat> the person who's on level 25, he's going to, what you call, the thing that's going to ascend is the pnimiut of that level which a person attained. And when a person is going to ascend to that pnimiut, when, when that pnimiut is going to ascend, basically, let's say you have a shell and a fruit. The fruit of level 25 will ascend up, the shell will remain, and then the fruit will become the shell of level 26. And the shell, which was initially at level 26, will become the fruit now. So the chitzoniut that existed at level 26 before this person at level 25 ascended um, was once the shell, and then it will become the pnimiut, it will become the inner aspect once the person on level 25 moves up. So the, sh- the fruit of level 25 will take the shell of, le- of level 26, and the shell, which was initially at level 26, will become the inner, sh- the inner fruit of uh, less- level 26, if that makes any sense. 
And even so, even though, sorry, that um, the klipa of this level, this upper level, was already broken by this person who is already on level 26, because to be at that level, of level 26, you have to break the dimyonot that, to get there. Meaning, to attain that level that we're talking about, which this person wants to ascend to, the person above him had already broken that level, obviously. So Rabban was explaining, even though the person above him had already broken that level, when the inner aspect of level 25 goes up to level 26, and the, um, and, or the, the inner aspect of the level 25 ascends, because what did we say? It's only the inner that ascends of each and every level. We're going to call the inner the fruit and the outer the shell. As Rabbeinu brought up in, uh, in section 2, this idea of the fruit and the shell. So what does Rabbeinu say? When the inner aspect of, lesson 20, of level 25 um, ascends up to level 26, when this person's trying to get there to level 26, what happens? The inner aspect of level 25 then becomes the shell of the 26, and the shell which was initially at level 26 becomes the, the, the fruit of level, of level 26. So he's saying, what happened? The person above him already broke the level, the klipa of level 26. But what is Rabban was saying? The klipa arouses itself again. Because the inner aspect of level 25 is ascending, the klipa gets awakened and gets renewed again. Because it wasn't subdued except by the light of the inner aspect of that which person which was above him. Meaning, the light of that which was above him was what subdued um, the klipa. But this new light from level 25 is not what subdued this klipa. So that, yes, there's a new klipa that gets aroused. Because this new person has to break it. But before the... But before this lower person who's on level 25, even against um, his pnimiyut, meaning the pnimiyut, the inner aspect of level 25, the klipa of level 26 still has strength to arouse itself against level this inner aspect of level 25. Because yes, it's been broken by the inner aspect of level 26. But it doesn't recognize the inner aspect of level 25 yet. This is why each and every person, when he grows, he has to break the klipa of that level which he's ascending to completely anew. Even though the person above him already broke his level, um, nonetheless the klipa doesn't recognize in a sense this light which is coming up. And yes, even though it's a little complicated, um, we can get it. And... Um, yeah, with a little bit of tila, B'shalat Hashem, Hashem, help us grasp this. And now Rabbeinu can explain what this means by pnimiyut, chitoniyut, inner aspect, outer aspect, what it means that the inner aspect ascends, the outer aspect stays, etc., etc. What does this mean? Rabbeinu explains that pnimiyut and the chitoniyut as two different types of service of God. The avodah of Torah of studying Torah and tefillah and prayer and acting with the mitzvot and doing the mitzvot are the pnimiyut, they're the inner aspect of the Torah. They're the inner, what we call the pnimiyut. The services of Hashem that require us to eat and to actually act with our bodies, things like sleeping 
and uh, running, etc., etc. All these things are what we call the outer aspect. And these outer aspects, which we just explained to be eating, for example, drinking, of a, these outer aspects of a person that stand at the level above, meaning the level that a person wants to grow at. If he's at level 25, then the, the outer aspect of level 26, for example, we're talking about. It is, radiates more and it is praised more than the avodot pnimiut meaning it, there's greater light and there's more there's a, there's a greater avodah with the outer aspect of level 26 than the inner aspect of level 25 than the Torah and the Tfilah and the, avo, and the avodat Hashem the mitvot that a, the mikveh that a person does at level 25 than the avodah that a person does with his body at level 26 meaning all the the things that require the goof that are, seem like simple acts, like eating, drinking, etc., etc., all those things. If it's at a higher level, then even though it's a chitzoniyut, even though it's a, something that's chitzoni, even though it's something that's what we consider outer avoda, it's still more praise and it's still greater and it still radiates more light than the inner avoda of the level below it. This is why the pnimiyut, the inner aspect of the lower level, becomes the garment and the chitzoniyut, the outer aspect of the level above it, as we explained. The fruit of level 25 becomes the shell of level 26, etc., etc. And this is what it says in Yermiyahu. A throne of glory, marom, exalted it, marom merishon, etc., etc., Exalted from the beginning, etc., etc. Okay, let's see what this means. Kise, throne. This is what we call the pnimiyut, the inner. Leshon itkasya. Why? Because kise comes from the word itkasya, which means to be covered over. Meaning the pnimiyut, that which is inside, is covered over. We can't see it. It's like the avodah Torah, tefillah, etc., etc. Things which are very, um, it's almost secret. Kavod. When it says kavod, um, honor. This is a reference to the outer aspect, the levush, the garment. Rabbi Yochanan called his clothing my glorifiers. Meaning, comes from the word kavod, my honors. What is an honor? Rabbi Yochanan called his clothing that. Meaning, what's the clothing? The clothing is the chitzoniyut. It's what a person wears on the outside, it's the garment. So the garment represents kavod. So here Rabbanu is explaining this verse in Yamiya to be this aspect of pnimiut and chitzoniyut. Kise is pnimiut, kavod is chitzoniyut. Marom merishon, exalted from the beginning. Meaning when a person gets exalted and elevated from the level before, meaning the lower level, from the first level, then the pnimiut, the kise, becomes the kavod. Meaning the pnimiut becomes the chitzoniyut. The, the, the lower in, inner aspect becomes the the outer shell of the higher level. Because of this, what happens? The place of our Mikdash. What does that mean? When this happens, when a person goes from level to level and the Pnimut becomes Chitonut to the level above, what happens? A person must sanctify the place from anew. Because even though the person above him already broke this level, he still has to break it again. And the Klipot renew itself and awaken themselves against this person. Now Rabbi is going to explain how to destroy the klipot. Whenever a person wants to level, ascend from level to level, how a person breaks all the things that stand in his way from attaining that level. Rabbi is explaining for us how to grow. 
אי אפשר ואי אפשר להכניע קליפות הנועדים לנו ולחשבות ולהטבות ולבלומים מהמניות שמרגע אלא על ידי גדולות הבורא. רבנו explains, it's impossible to subdue these evil forces, which what are the evil forces? The דמיונות, the illusions, the מחשבות, the, the bad thoughts, the תאוות, the lusts, the desires, the בלבולים, the confusions, the המניות, the obstacles, שבמדרגה, that stand at the level which you want to attain, that you're trying to grow at. The only way to destroy all these obstacles is through what? Gdulot HaBoreh, the greatness of the Creator. The greatness of Hashem. What did that mean? Now Rabbi Levi can train. They brought in the Kavanot of the Yarizal on the, on the verse in Tehidim. Praise Hashem, call out in His name. What did that mean? What did the Ari HaKadosh say in Priyat Chaim Shach Azmirot? He says over there, with regard to the Mizmor of Hodul Hashem Kirubishmo, why do we start Shacharit, or um, the first Mizmor of the world of Yetzirah, as you know, as someone who's familiar with the Kabbalah, the Tfilah is built up into the, um, into, it's divided into, the four, into four aspects, corresponding to the four worlds. So Korbanot, all the th- things that we read before Hodu, represent the world of Asiya. But the Ari explains that Hodul Hashem Kirubishmo, Shezea Mizmor Nitkan Leachnea Kipot this Mizmor of Teinim was established And the reason why we read it right at that moment is in order to subdue the klipot, the evil forces that stand at the world of Yetzirah. Because what are we saying? In the tefillah, a person descending from level to level, from world to world, from Asiyah to Yetzirah, to Beriyah to Atzilut, at Yamidah. Whenever he does Shimon HaRetzeh, he enters Atzilut. But each time a person enters a new level, what did Rabbeinu just explain? You have to break the klipah. So what's the Ari HaKadosh explaining? Hodul HaShem Kirubishmo is the first Mizmor we read the second we enter the world of Yetzirah. Why? Because this Mizmor is built in order to subdue the Klippah. Because what happened? All the Klippot now are rising against the Asiya which is trying to arise to Yetzirah. I'll just explain. But now by the fact that we're mentioning the greatness of HaShem Nikhna'in Ayen Sham that the klipot are completely subdued. Look over there, Rabbeinu says, look over there in Etzchayim, Pre-Etzchayim, and you'll see over there what Rabbeinu means. So now Rabbeinu is going to go on. Because the inner aspect of Yetzirah then ascends to Briah. As we just saw, the inner aspect of Asiyah ascends to Yetzirah. And we break this, this klipot that tries to attack the Pnimut of Asiyah by saying, Then, what is Rabbeinu explaining? The Plimut of Yetzirah, then ascends to Beriah. Because what happens whenever the Plimut of Asiyah ascends to the Chitzoniot of Yetzirah? What, what does that mean? Meaning when the inner aspect of Asiyah becomes the outer garment of Yetzirah, what happens? Then the Plimut of Yetzirah ascends also. Because what did he say? No two people can be on the same level. So the same is true of whenever you ascend up the worlds in the Kabbalah. Same is true. When Asiyah ascends to Yetzirah, it cannot be at the same level as Yetzirah anymore, the Plimut of Yetzirah. The Plimut of Yetzirah must also ascend. So it ascends to the, uh, to the Chitzoniut of um, Beriah, etc., etc. Yen Sham, look over there. So now Rabbanu is going to explain what this means. The greatness of the Creator. And And how does one bring the greatness of the Creator into revelation? How do you reveal the greatness of Hashem? It's through charity that one gives to a proper, a, a poor person who's feeding. Meaning he's kasher. Because now Rabbi can explain what is the idea of the greatness of the Creator. 
Ramanu explains the essential greatness and glory exists with what? The revelation of Hagvanin, the colors. Look in the Zohar B'Shalach over there and, and also in Truma speaks about this. What are the colors? The colors are a reference to the Chesev and Zahav, silver and gold. Silver and gold are they themselves the colors. These are the colors that we're talking about. Because all the supernal colors are in silver and gold. Silver and gold in this world manifest. Are, are, all the supernal colors are manifested within silver and gold in this world. Money. And these supernal colors, these upper colors that we're talking about, which become enclosed within silver and gold, they don't illuminate themselves except when they come to the Jew. Meaning when the Jew receives money, then what happens? Then the colors within the Kesef become illuminated. Then the supernal colors, all the great rectifications that we're talking about become illuminated. Because the place of the supernal color exists only in the dominion of a Jew, in the domain of a Jew. It cannot exist with a goy. And these colors become encompassed within one another. And these, what do you call it? These colors radiate. Israel, it's in you who might take pride. Hashem says this about us, the Jewish people, that He takes pride in the Jewish people. Meaning, what's the idea of pride? What we just said above. What's the pe'er, the ikar ve pe'er is the revelation of colors. What's pe'er, pride? Pride is whenever the colors are revealed. And when the colors be revealed, it's only whenever the money is in the possession of a Jew. Because that is where the pride is. It's only in Israel, as we just explained. It's in Israel who Hashem takes pride, no one else. So this is where the pride must be revealed. Meaning, what, what's the pride? The colors. So, the place of all the colors is only by the Jew. And then whenever these colors radiate, then he takes tremendous pride in them. It says, The silver belongs to me and the gold belongs to me. And you create from these uh, things, these colors, big day yasha. Garments of salvation. See what this means? Yesha. When it says salvation, Yesha. Istakluta. This, is a, this means looking. Yesha is a reference to Istakluta. Looking, gazing. Kemo, as it says, Yisho el Hashem. They looked to Hashem. As it brought down in Zohar Yitro. Dav Tzadik. Look over there. That this is what the Zohar is proving. And when it says Yesha, it's a reference to gazing as we see in this verse. Yisho el Hashem. They look to Hashem. Yisho comes from Yesha. So Yesha implies gazing. And because, what does that mean? Because of the pe'er, because of the glory that stands by the Jewish people, because of the money, the money which is radiating all these colors, now that it stands in the domain of a Jew, everyone is looking at it. Everyone is gazing at this pride, these colors. Because everyone desires to stare at Him, meaning the greatness of Hashem, that is present within this, the money of a Jew. But as any time the money, silver and gold, is by the goyim, what happens? The supernal colors don't illuminate and their light doesn't shine. Because the place of the supernal colors is not in the domain of a, of a goy. Because what did we say? What is it's pa'ar? What is pa'ar? Pe'er, pride or splendor? Splendor is a reference to the supernal colors, as we saw earlier. 
And where does splendor exist? Only in the Jews' domain. So if a Goya has money, the splendor doesn't get revealed. The supernal colors doesn't get isn't brought into revelation. Because it's only by the Jewish people that the supernal colors have splendor. And this is why the Goyim desire so much the money of a Jew. Abenu is explaining a huge phenomenon. A phenomenon. Let's see here. Even though the Goyim have tremendous amounts of money and silver, they always desire the money of a Jew. As if they had never seen money in the world. And this is why, because why? Because the money that is under their control, meaning the money that the Goyim have, the supernal colors don't shine. And there's no grace that exists, that rests upon their money. Because the essence of true splendor and grace is only revealed by the Jew. And even though they don't see this, they recognize it deep down. And this is why the Goyim are called what? Rashim, impoverished. They're poor. As it says in Avot, be beware of Barashut, rulers. Rashut meaning those who have dominion. Why Rashut? Because Rashut is a play on the word Rashim. Because they are poor and Rashim, they are in poverty. Vanim and they are in um, des- they are destitute. Why are they destitute? Because their money doesn't shine. They have no benefit from the money. As if they are poor themselves. They're always designing the money of a Jew. Because the money of a Jew constantly rests upon it. This splendor and this grace, and everyone desires to see the splendor and the grace of God. Who doesn't want to see this? Immediately, when the non-Jew receives the money from a Jew, immediately, what happens? The grace and the splendor that exists within the money that the Jew had becomes completely concealed when it gets into possession of a goy. And this is why the goyim are constantly demanding money from a Jew, always. And he forgets the money that he already received. Because the grace that he once saw in the hand of a Jew becomes concealed once it goes into his hand. Because the grace and the splendor of the Jewish people, the splendor of the supernal colors cannot rest in the Goyim's hands. And this is what it says, that the Goyim only befriends someone when they benefit from him. They only do things for their benefit. And this is what it says, grace in the eyes of God. What does that mean? In the eyes of God, this is a reference to the supernal colors. Which are what? It's gold and silver. This is the supernal colors. Because what do you say? That in the gold and silver, all the supernal colors exist. This is the essential splendor and grace. This is why Avimelech said to Sarah, Behold, I've given you a thousand silver coins to your brother. Let it be for you a cloak for the eyes. Ksutenaim, a covering for the eyes. What did the covering for the eyes have to do with a thousand gold coins, etc., etc.? Hanu, means like this. Whenever the money from Avi Melech, who's the Goy, goes to the hand of the Jew, who's Avraham, immediately all the supernal colors, the splendors, 
um, are revealed and they create what we call Big Deyesha, garments of salvation. We saw earlier, what is salvation? Istakluta, looking. Because what do they say? Yishol Hashem. That they look to Hashem. Meaning what? Why is money um, this aspect of Big Deyesha, garments of salvation? When it's in the hands of a Jew specifically. Because Yesha comes from the word Yish'o, which means to look. And everyone desires to look at this money when it's in the hands of a Jew because it has tremendous splendor. And why big day garments? It's a covering for the eyes. It's a garment for the eyes. Because everyone is looking at it. Everyone is desiring to look at this. And constantly desiring to look at the money. In the hands of a Jew, they always want it. But through the tztaka that one gives from his own money, all his money is rectified. Look how big the power of tztaka is. And all the supernal colors are revealed and are brought into revelation and they shine. And then all his money becomes what? It's my silver and it's my gold. It says, Big day yesha. Clothing of salvation. The ending of the verse is what? Clothing of salvation covered me with the robe of charity. Covered me with the robe of charity. Meaning these clothing of um, these clothings of salvation covered me with the robe of charity. So let's see what this means. Rabbanu is going to explain another Chidush now. What we just explained is that these clothing of salvation, this money, the hand of a Jew, becomes um, <clears throat> cover me with a robe of charity, this idea that everyone begins to look at the money of a Jew whenever he gives taka, because now all the money begins to shine um, that's in his possession. It rectifies all the money. So the taka is what allows the, the supernal colors to shine. Meaning you can have the money. The Jew can have the money. But they don't necessarily shine unless a person gives the tzedakah. And when he gives the tzedakah, then all his money has this pe'er, this splendor that everyone begins to look at. And even this money that the goyim take from us, is considered tzedakah. As the chachamim say, look how awesome that is. That even when the goyim take money away from us, it's considered tzedakah. We get the reward of tzedakah. As the Chachamim say, And your taskmasters are tzedakah. It's brought down in Yeshaya. And this is what it says in Your eyes are pools in Cheshbon. What did that mean? Your eyes, these are the colors that we talked about, right? Being the Yesha, Yish'o, seeing, it's gazing. Um, your eyes, the eyes also represent, we talked about. The eyes of Hashem represent the supernal colors. So what are we talking about? These are the supernal colors. The aspects of silver and gold that we talked about. Meaning your eyes, they are blessed. What does that mean? They are blessed. They are blessed through tzlaka. Meaning your colors, your kesef and your zahav are blessed through charity. That every single penny becomes something tremendous and gets combined for a huge accounting. Meaning 
the mitzvah for just even giving one penny is something we cannot even amount, we cannot even describe. It becomes a huge accounting. It's something, a huge reward. And even the money that comes into the hand of the goyim, the hand of the goyim, and the goyim are called what? Batraim. That's the end of the verse. Or um, by the gates of Batrabim. That's the ending of the verse. So Batrabim is the goyim, the daughter of many. We're going to see here. We're going to see why they're called Bat Rabim. Um, the daughter of many. Also, this money that is taken by the Goyim is also considered Tzedakah. Your taskmasters your task are, are Tzedakah. This is what it says. Um, and this is what it says. Al Sha'ar Bat Rabim, by the gate of Bat Rabim, Shadan Al Hashar, when they are still by the gate, Kodem Shabali Al Rabim, meaning before they get to the hands of the Goyim, Adain Shore Achen Al Mamon, the money still exists, the grace still exists by the money, Aval Achakach Nelam Achen Kanan. Then afterwards, the Chen becomes concealed once it goes into the hand of the Goy. So even Rabbanu is explaining here, um, That even whenever you lose money to a goy, etc., etc., or the goy takes some money, for, <laughs> could be anything. Um, <clears throat> um, even like a traffic ticket, for example. But I met, this is considered staka. And Rabbanu uh, proves this through the Sinyan and Baba Batra. And this is what happens whenever it stands at the gate of Batrabim. What's the gate of Batrabim? Right when it's on the verge of getting to the hand of the Goyim, the, the Mamon still has its chen. But once it goes to the Batrabim, the daughter of many who are the Goyim, then what? Then all the chen becomes concealed. So, with Hashem, we're going to stop here and God willing to finish the lesson tomorrow. We see lots of practical stuff here at Staka, being able to break the Tavot. This is what Rabbanu explained that Staka can literally break your, your Koach Hamedame. That's what Rabbanu is explaining in this section. How Tzedakah is able to reveal the Gdulot Aboreh, the greatness of the Creator, which is revealed through the supernal colors. And how does that happen? Through Tzedakah. So Tzedakah allows us to break the Koach Medameh, which then allows us to attain Sechel HaKoach, Sechel HaPoach, Sechel HaNikne, etc., etc., etc. And this is how we ascend from level to level, to break down the Koach Medameh at every level. You need the Sechel. So Bezat Hashem, may we have the merit to apply this, and God willing, we'll finish the lesson tomorrow.